Hey guys, welcome back to the Blessed Child Podcast. This is your host, Renee. Today is going to be a super fun interview, a really fun day. I have two really awesome people with me. I'm actually impressed you guys said yes when I asked you guys to join this. <laughs> so thank Oh, come you. on. We're all friends. <laughs> I was like, no way, those two Netflix stars, I can get them on my podcast. You guys, you guys are basically First. celebrities. <laughs> for like all the wrong reasons but sure <laughs> that's so excellent celebrities for all the wrong reasons yeah, we're, we're yes. examples is what we are yeah we'll make an example of you okay so but no no introduce I, yes. yourselves guys who do we have here on blessed child today oh okay i'll go first um i'm teddy hose uh i guess i can say i was in uh that netflix documentary how to become a cult leader because I'm an ex Mooney, like you two here, and um, I just speak about it. Uh, and yeah, mostly on TikTok and sometimes the occasional documentary or, or interview uh, article. Um, yeah, it's nice to be getting the word out, especially with the 2024 election coming up and uh, the intersection of the Moonies and the far right. And uh, so I'll say, good to be here. Thank you. I am Lisa. I am Lisa Cohn. I'm going to say yes and yes, yes to everything Teddy said. I am a Mooney second gen, ex-Mooney. Uh, that's also why I was on How to Become a Cult Leader. Um, and my memoir, and I always say this, if any of you want a free copy, just ping me. My memoir was published in 2018, which is when I started speaking out, even though just the other day someone on the on our Facebook group said something about how they've been out a couple of years and it's still in their head. And I'm like, Oh honey, I've been out 40 plus years. Hashtag I'm old. And it's still in my head, which is why I do my best to speak out about it. And I, I always have to say, because this is the blessed child podcast, I'm a Jacob's child, which did not even exist when I was in way back when, but uh, it's always, I literally said to Renee, can I be on even though I'm not a BC? So hashtag this stuff is still in my head. Oh, still man. in my head. Wow. Okay. Before we can we just unpack the Jacob's child term real quick? Because I don't <laughs> this is this is a big this is a big topic, mm. but we need to know why you feel out an outsider looking in is because you were stigmatized oh. with the Jacob's term. Yes, Teddy. If I could just preface that with there is a little segment in episode six of how to become a cult leader explaining what a Jacob's child is. <laughs> That's so. true. But um, anyway, and animated too, which is pretty cool. Right, but anyway, it's, it's right under the blessed children, right? The blessed, the blessed. <laughs> children, yes. Yeah, y'all are blessed. Says, yeah, y'all are blessed. Yeah. So Jacob's child, which someone had to explain to me the first time I heard it. So I, when I was in the cult back in the hashtag seventies and eighties, right? Because I'm way old. When I my my mom joined when I was ten, and I joined then, um, and yes to unpack it we didn't have that term but i was i grew up best friends with moon's kids right the true children and with some of the 36 couple blessed blessed children and there was always the hierarchy of i just didn't even deserve to be in the same room with them and yet i was friends with them and so that whole sense of y'all are born without original sin and i'm tainted kind of thing yeah it you know apparently permeated some of my brain 
Yeah. So this is all imaginary hierarchy, like with the, the whole blood lineage, the blessed, the blessed kids, the Jacobs kids. So on this podcast, I want to say none of that shit matters. You, yeah. your voice is valid. You are a survivor of this fucking cult and your voice is hundred percent valid. Mm-hmm. So you're and, welcome yeah. here. Yeah. And from communicating with other people who left online, who grew up in it, um, yeah, I, I I didn't know this while I was in it or even think about it, but just hearing more of them speak more of the Jacobs children or the people raised in but not born in the Unification Church. Um, it's it's heavy. It's really hard. Uh, and damn, I can only imagine what it's like to be called less like you matter less or you're less pure. So um, that's really awful. And I'm sorry you all went through that. That's very sweet. And I thank you. And I do feel welcome. And, and the funny thing, and then we will get away from my story is, you know, so I'm hanging out with Moon's kids and the blessed kids. And I am like the cleanest, sweetest, purest one of them, but I'm the one who's not pure, right? I was a goody two shoes while they all experimented. So it was, it was a mind fuck easily, but I, I'm over that. I just bring it up because clearly it's still in me. Like I, I come from that at sometimes, even though I know it's not true, that made up, made up hierarchy that we grew up with. So yeah that's heavy stuff that's good to unpack and and good to unpack for our audience um the reason we're all here together talking about the made-up hierarchy that was explained on how to become a cult leader by peter dinklage the reason we're all here is to discuss how how this happened like how do you guys feel about the documentary it's on netflix your faces can be seen in every living room pretty much anywhere in the world that has netflix both of you are representing yeah the the moonies the ex-moonies what it was like to grow up in the cult i think you guys did an awesome job and i really just wanted to hear like an inside scoop of what it was like filming how did it feel how does it feel now anything you guys can say is welcome here thanks um yeah uh well the first thing that comes to mind for me actually when i was thinking about uh this interview was like i remember when lisa contacted me because like when you know we're all in touch with each other so when someone gets an opportunity it's like hey do you guys want to be a part of this you want to be a part of this you know um and uh lisa was like did you did you get did you get like a copy of a contract or anything oh no wait that was for that there's a brazilian documentary coming out Oh yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah, I remember but... that one. <laughs> There's so many. Yes. There's so yeah. many. Full disclosure for the audience here, all of us probably talked to at least 20, 30 producers before anything actually hits the screen. Is, is yeah, it's... yeah, that's that's kind of the rate, the ratio. But anyway. To, yeah, to the point where we like we know when someone is like kind of a newbie at at like a studio and they're trying to prove themselves like, "Oh, I'll get this Mooney story and that'll impress the like head of the company." And it's like, you can kind of sniff it out and be like, no, I'm good. (laughs) You know, I think it's important to get someone who has experience and whose studio focuses on the right things. Like for me, Citizen Jones, who came out with uh, how to become a cult leader, they focus on like history and politics and like, you know, things like that. Um, Yeah, it was pretty kind of sensationalized. It got a lot of criticism, not just from ex-Moonies, but also from the general public of being maybe, you know, somewhat insensitive. like, well, if you want to be a cult leader, you got to be like this, guys. <laughs> Rule number one. And true, it's like, don't have, I'm always like, don't have too much fun. Like, this is, these are all traumatized people. I mean, I know someone who watched it and she said she threw up because like it was too much. So, but, you know, at the same time, you got to counterbalance that with like, 
you do want to get it out there. You you don't want it to be like super just too informative or cater to like one type of person. You kind of have to like find a good balance. So, um, but yeah, I guess what I was going to say before about with Lisa um, was like, she was like, did you get a contract? Like, did you see a contract? And I was like, I, at the time I was like, she caught me in the middle of something. I was really busy. I was like, no. And I didn't say anything after that. And she was like, oh, um, hmm. well, like I would have been able to discuss it, but I I, I felt like I sounded like, no, why? <laughs> like, you got a problem? But like, uh, it was, I mean, it is something to consider. I guess I, I'm i a little more, I'm a little too easygoing with just telling my story and stuff. And like, I don't know, I've never been screwed over or like felt like I was represented bad enough for me to feel like, okay, I got to be really careful about this. Um Luckily, usually I try to be picky about who I speak to. Um, but anyway, that is, you know, in case anyone else um, has an opportunity like this, that's that's a good thing to keep in mind, you know, yeah. just know what you're getting into, know the terms. If you want to reach out to one of us, that would be great. Um, give you some tips. Uh, but yeah. yeah, but otherwise, um, no, yeah, I just, I, I saw uh, that Citizen Jones worked on uh, how to become a tyrant. And, you know, I, I did, I did sense the like, okay, they're going to make this like animated thing. And they're going to like, be like, you know, everything I just kind of sarcastically made fun of and stuff. I was like, yeah, that, that was weighing against like, should I be part of this? Like, I don't want them to have too much fun or to make it like too entertaining. You know, it's always entertainment versus journalism, right? That's like, but then, yeah, I think a lot of people go into the cult topic as entertainers because it's it's so bizarre uh and um but i think over the years hopefully uh at least what i'm seeing is that people are are acknowledging the more comp com complexity and are understanding that making it too entertaining is really disrespectful to trauma survivors so um anyway but i i knew there was going to be some element of that but i think i i like the idea of the history and the politics angle more than this, more than studios who've contacted me who do a lot of reality shows or comedies or, you know, and then they have like one or two documentaries in their portfolio. So yeah, so I leaned into it. And, um, and yeah, behind the scenes, they treated me pretty well. You know, the guy interviewing me was, was, you know, very considerate. Um, he asked me what I wanted to see in the documentary. Um, and he actually included that, like the Camp Sunrise part, like, you know, I was like, I want to talk about this because it's like, this is where they have the kids like isolated away from their families and showing us these videos and stuff like that. And anyway, sorry, I feel like I'm cramming the whole episode into no, I'm one really thing. Happy. I, I should yeah. let Lisa go now, but okay. I guess I have a lot to say. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm glad you put the, that they respected your opinion about the camp sunrise because that's the one bit I really related to. I was happy that along with all the history they included there was some human aspect with the children. So thank you for that. Yeah, it's I, I've never seen it being reported on before. So yeah, yeah really I appreciate cool. it. Okay, Lisa, you take the floor. So yeah, with this one, I, so yeah, so Teddy and I, like once you get in the circle of people who speak out, invariably things get passed on. And I honestly don't remember who passed this one on to the other. Maybe it was me to you. What I do remember is going back and forth about the, did you watch How to Become a Tyrant? What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Because I knew it would be, at least mildly tongue in cheek, which was my hesitation, right? They, they Everything Teddy said, yes, 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 right? They looked like they knew what they were doing, but I knew they were going to come at it from this 
uh, you know, yeah, we can help you learn how to become a cult leader. And I knew clearly that's where they were going. So it was a hesitation with that at first, but I, I was kind of like, well, Teddy said yes. And Diane, who's a first gen who speaks out a lot, said yes. So I'm like, well, I'm going to trust them. And I'm also the sense of uh, as much as we quote unquote try try and roll quote unquote cult porn where it's just senseless, since whatever that word is that my brain won't do right now. Someone sensationalized. Sensationalizing. Thank you. Right. Yeah. Where it's just cult porn. Um, like I felt like there would be some, cause I did watch how to become a tyrant. Like there would be some essence of the horror of it in there. And so I said, yes. Um, cause that was important to me. The way I kind of feel is, and for those of you who don't know, my memoir was published in 2018. I think I already said that once. And, uh, right. Since then I've been speaking out and my sense is if telling my story can help anybody in any way, then it's worth it to me generally um, you know, if I can help people who are in get out, people who are out feel better, people understand it, all of that, then it's it's kind of a mission I'm on. So again, that seemed to be like the right reason to do it. I will tell you well, two things. One thing in full disclosure, Renee, you may know this, Teddy does know this. I had cancer last year and I found out that I might have cancer the day before the filming. So wow. I'm just like I watched it and I'm like, what mindset must I've been in? And I and I realized I kind of dissociated because I don't remember it. I spent four hours with them or something like that. And I don't I don't have a lot of memories of it because I just like clicked on and did it. Um and separate from you, I remember them asking me what the message that I wanted. And for me, like there's message of getting the truth up, but there's always needs to be a message of hope. And I feel like unfortunately they didn't do that as much as I wanted. And I, I, I am not happy. I'm glad it's out there. I said to Renee before we started that, um, you know, like many people knew about it and they're like, Oh, you're in my living room. But then I also get from people who didn't know, like, Oh my God, Lisa, you're in my living room. You're in my fucking living room. Right. Like, what are you doing here? And I've had people who like have no involvement with cults say watching it was really informative. I really learned a lot. I have a greater understanding. I see how anyone could be susceptible. Like all the things I see how it can affect you all the things I want people to understand. So it's like, wasn't the greatest, and I can go into it more if we want, wasn't the greatest experience for me personally, but I still think it's doing something, even though it's snarky and weird. And I was uh, I was just over in London and I stayed with Elgin and he and Donna and Donna's younger sister, and I'm blanking on her last name, did a whole podcast episode about how to become a cult leader and how horrific it was. So I was like, Hey, right. And we had, but it was good. It was good for me to hear their perspective. And I agree with their perspective. I agree with what they made light of and how they trivialized a lot of it. And yet they also got some things wrong, but in, important information out there. So it's kind yeah. of like a mixed bag. But overall, if one person watches it and thinks, shit, I might be in a cult. Yeah, then I've done something right. Yeah, you're, so. you're, you're pulling things apart right now. And I just want to reflect on this, like, the way I was viewing how to become a cult leader, I watched it three times, once by myself, and then twice while I was tattooing with different clients, and they had different reactions, and then once again this morning, so four times actually, um, and I watched the whole one through six, and I can say that it actually builds. Um, when you just watch the the sixth episode on Reverend Moon, uh, it does feel kind of like it's lacking, but when you watch one through six, he's mentioned in in most of the other episodes as well wow. and they build on how terrible he is like even though at the end they they 
they frame it as he's the most successful. I think honestly, that might have been the only way to get it to be published is stroking the ego of, of the moon cult and being like, oh, he's the most successful. And then here's all this information. I don't know. Does that, does that feel like it clocks? Yeah. I watched the whole series too. And I noticed that they touched on, um, they showed him in like little bits and pieces. They did that with everyone. Um, yeah, but um, sorry, just the uh, like with what Lisa said about like how some parts were just you know ick or uh, what or the ick. thing. <laughs> yeah, the thing I liked the least was that it ended like one of the I think it might have been the last line, uh, and it just it made it really cheesy all of a sudden. But it was like in life you're either predator or prey, and I was like, shut the. F- you like, chill out like I don't know that part would just it just made everything like really cheesy I was yeah. like come on guys yeah. like there's so much more than that but anyway that, yeah. that felt I'm, like a cheap uh like fishing hook like to get people to be emotionally like attached to the show be like oh yeah you this could mm-hmm. be you like you. well it yeah it turns it, it could, into like a but... tabloid yeah it so was. I'm happy to hear that you thought it failed. So yeah, so when I just, I came out, I watched uh, us, I watched Six, and I had an adverse reaction to it. Um, and so then I just, I couldn't, I I was like, yeah, I'm not ready to watch one through five yet, but I think I will. I, I mean, I know I will, but it feels really good to hear that you felt like it did build. So it did make sense when they kind of culminated with, with that being what it was. But yeah, yeah so because I had were... to watch it. Yeah, they were so obvious, like, the, they, they talked about the Jonestown massacre, and they really framed that well, like, they, for the first time, I was like, oh, this was a murder, like, mass murder, and they really built a lot of the other cult leaders, like, how horrible it was, and maybe it's just because I wasn't in the cults, I could see how they did that well, and then when they got to Moon, I feel like because the Moon cult's so, well, they're politically influential, they have a lot of influence, a lot of pool, a lot of power, a lot of money. I feel like, and they're one of the only documentaries to actually publish, make it to publishing. I feel like this was a tact- tactful way of framing the Moonies so that they could at least get something out into the public. And like yeah. when I when I think of it, like w- when I think of when we first started talking about the Moonies, like years ago, it was like looking at a rushing river that you could never cross. But like with this episode, I feel like maybe it wasn't the perfect log or the perfect stone, but it was something lobbed into the river so that we can jump on it. And then hopefully it'll inspire either more rocks to be thrown so that we can like get across, get the point across. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just um, I'm just glad that uh, the conversation's back on the table, because like before maybe 2018, I, I don't know. I'm, this sounds like I'm taking the credit for it, but I guess A&E gets the credit or Alex Werso, who was the executive producer, but before um, Cults and Extreme Belief, like there wasn't real, I wasn't seeing, at least I wasn't seeing any documentaries on the Moonies or like exclusively like any episodes, docuseries episodes about the Moonies. And I had a problem with that because of, you know, 2016 election and the rise of the far right. Um, that's why I speak so directly and publicly now, whereas before I had long-term projects I was working on telling my life story and talking about cults and stuff. And, you know, um, but I was like, shit, I got to do this now, like, because people are drinking the Kool-Aid and it's, it's exactly the same feeling as in the Moonies. And so anyways, uh, but yeah, so anything that, um, just even brings it up and builds intrigue, you know, I'm more for that than like. I guess how it's done to some degree. Yeah. I I have to 
call out that, because uh, I promised myself I'd always say something when someone says this, but it's fascinating to me that you just said drinking the Kool-Aid right after we talked about Jonestown. And I will tell you that personally, personally, when I hear it in the corporate world, because you hear it all the time in the corporate world, I always, I stop people, I'm like, excuse me, do you know where that comes from? And do you know what it means? So I think it's totally like down cool here, but yeah, it's just a, a phrase that yeah. is so powerful, but just so wrong, right? And language, yeah. language holds so much. I remember, I remember who there were other blessed blessed childs I was talking to blessed children I was talking to and I said something about calling instead of calling him Reverend Moon I learned when I started learned when I first started speaking out just the effects of the cult on me right people would ask me questions and I could not I could not speak negatively about him I literally could not speak if someone asked me a question and my response was negative I could just couldn't actually get anything out and then somewhere along the line, I was like to my therapist and said, do you think you should stop calling him Reverend Moon? And I'm like, huh. damn, yes, right? And I watched other people shift from Reverend Moon to Moon, like the power of language. Anyway, it's just, that was fascinating that we talked about Jones and then we yeah. said drinking the Kool-Aid, which is so- Which is interesting yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. No, well, um, just want to say like in How to Become a Cult Leader, it clears up that these people didn't actually willingly drink the Kool-Aid. They were injected with like cyanide from armed guards, mm -hmm. like with freaking guns, like they couldn't leave. So it's really interesting how that whole that whole terminology came about and is still being perpetuated, even though it's a false narrative, really. And I just yeah. have to say, because neither one of you were alive when this happened, right? Teddy, how old I was, you? I was born a week later. You're so okay. So neither one of yeah. you were alive when this happened. And when it happened, we knew that that was a cult. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's <laughs> right? why the um, Moonies did. The Moonies knew that absolutely. Oh my God. These poor mm -hmm. people, they're in a cult. What yeah. it, what it, oh, what yeah. It? Yeah. No, oh, no. That's like, to me, that's not surprising because no. like when you're in a cult, like, everything else is like wrong and cult. you're right. And it doesn't have to make sense because you're safe, right? You have all this human trafficking money protecting you. So, you know, um, but sorry, what I was going to say before is like, I uh, actually, I, I don't usually say drink the Kool-Aid that slipped out. Um, <laughs> I, I, I try not to, but it, it slipped out, but like, no, I, and I've heard that side I've read articles and it's like, so I consciously try not to say it anyway. Um, no, you're good. There was a I didn't mean metaphor. to call you out. I just thought it was like a facet. As we're talking about all of this, right? And how it's permeated yeah. and what if, it does. So. If anybody's yeah. going to deconstruct the language and the words that we use, this is the perfect place to do it. So. Teddy, yeah. Because, <laughs> Teddy, you have done so much. You really have. Like, yeah. let's just call you out here. You've done so much in your speaking and so much in your bringing kids together and stuff. So, I mean, you are just a a forefront. So, I look Thanks. Up to you. Thanks. Yeah. I, you're it's, welcome. It, it's funny because like in, in high school, I led like a uh, every two weeks, I did like the youth meeting on Friday nights for second generation in Seattle. And like the, the more I did that in high school, the more I realized like, wait a minute, I'm not allowing myself to be a kid because I'm always trying to be an example. And, <laughs> you know, um, so I, I was like, man, I never want to be older brother guy again. And then but, you know, I just when I was about 30, uh i was just thinking trying to think as an artist and writer like what next what topic do i want to focus on and then i um you know it was like oh something that's natural to me and that's very unique is my upbringing and so you know i did get into that and it kind of did put me in that position again but not really <laughs> i don't know this like i don't want to be i still don't want to be that guy but um 
like because you know second generation were put in like the almost like fatherly responsibilities you know renee has said like it's children raising children and so like i didn't want to be in that because i feel like it, it it stops my flexibility and and my ability to accept when i'm wrong and everything like that and growing um and i don't see myself as that but uh I, I just see myself as like an activist who will put stuff out there and, you know, feel free to whatever, but, you know, but then I, I'll also say that it's like, well, who better to talk about this than people who grew up in it, you know, and especially me who grew up near the moons. And then you grew up best friends with the moons, which blows my mind. And I'm so sorry, um, <laughs> but I'm really glad you're speaking out about it. Um, you know, yeah, you're the perfect person. So it's great. I love how you're talking about like, um, still being a leader, but with boundaries, like we're not enmeshed families anymore. You're not an older brother. Like we don't have to know everything about your entire life and, you know, your soul and your spirit, like in the cult, but you can still be a, a big leader head in the activism realm and, and make a big change in a real and a healthy way. So I think that's cool that you're taking that power back and like pulling it apart from how we were raised in a kind of a toxic way to always be seen, to always be transparent, to always be family, like, and put yourself yeah. last. And like, you're doing it in a healthy way. And I, I, I like that. I think that's really cool. Well, well being monitored or like <laughs> you know, be, being a monitor. <laughs> yeah. Policing so, each other. Yeah. That, yeah. that, that, that element isn't here in this activism realm. So that's, that's pretty cool. It's well, I'm still I... kind of policing, like, uneth like wrong <laughs> ethics. But anyway, yeah, sorry, that's a dumb joke. Anyway, <laughs> I, uh, I, um, I found, I liked, I found interesting when you just did that, Renee, how you, you put last, putting yourself last, right? But I think, you know, in my humble, people say not so humble opinion, but I try every now and then. But I think that element of it, the fact that we were taught to put ourselves last is partially, is one of the most scarring, one of the most long, term scarring and I remember and it was in, it wasn't when Eldon was talking to Donna and her sister and they had said and I hadn't heard this like I hadn't heard those words in so long living for the sake of others right and I was like oh my god that's the exact words living you need to live for the sake of others and I I mean I'm, I'm digressing into the harm it's done us no, but I mean, to me that's one of the most like fucked up things that I'm still like I'm still like actively trying to unravel how to get away from that right. and how to get away from the negative reaction inside my body and brain when I when I act away from that so yeah because right, it's deeply entangled a... with like shame like oh like okay so all of this activism stuff to be honest it's not for the sake of others I'm doing it for my own empowerment I'm collecting <laughs> yeah. stories so I can feel better about myself this isn't about living for the sake of others and I think <laughs> that should be made clear like you guys are probably doing it for your own reclaiming your own power getting your stories out there, making it make sense. It's not, you're not living for the, are you living for the sake of others when you're doing this activism work? Let me just reframe that question. Um, I mean, not for the sake of, uh, I'm just like trying to, this is like my country and my like, yeah, it's, it's for me. Um, it's just, it's my way of doing something with this rise of the far right I'm seeing in America. It's like my avenue that I am best, I think, qualified for in speaking to this, like um, this movement coming up of like radicalism and impulsive, you know, barbarism kind of um, an anti-intelligence, anti anti-social. Uh, so yeah, this it's like, 
well, I know one of the groups that really helps fund this, and they have a national newspaper called the Washington Times. And, you know, they are working a lot behind the scenes. And so um, if we can remove this pillar, you know, because they're like the Koch brothers, they're um, not only funding it, but they're like advertising it and like building these jaded attitudes towards progress and unfamiliar progress in a country that started with colonization. So like if it, that this is where I can be, I try to connect that, you know, I know I'm in a lot of cult things that are like relegated to the cult topic, but I'm really trying to like get it out there, you know, otherwise like any documentary I'm in or anything that mentions the Washington times, I just go, yes, <laughs> like, because I, I mean, maybe most people haven't heard of this newspaper and they're just like, eh, it's just some local DC newspaper. Right. And like, no, it's in like, the it's in congress it's in dc it's oh talking to the highest like national leaders in the country and presidents and it's giving them confirmation bias that their the ultra conservative ways are right because of the printed word with this new york times like font of a title the washington times that sounds very official but is made by this self-proclaimed jesus who is also simultaneously kind of a white supremacist because he wants to like cater to the people in power to, to climb the ladder. I mean, he's dead now. And I don't know, it's, it's, it's a little more scattered than that now, but anyway, um, <laughs> all that, there you go. <laughs> yes. 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 I, so, and I, I mean, I jokingly say I'm still trying to save the world one person at a time. I mean, but I'd say, I mean, even in the work I do personally, my first professional is working as a coach and a leadership consultant. Um, and I did not, people always say, well, writing your, writing your memoir and publishing your memoir, you know, helped heal you. And I would say, well, writing it didn't really heal me, but I think that um, talking about it and what I do, I, I, so I know I'm not living for the sake of others. And yes, it does, it does matter to me each time it touches one person, right? Because then it, that I know I'm doing something that's helping. Um, and um, I have a friend who used to say every time I would do a book reading when the book first came out, she was like, it's like you slit your wrist and like bleed every time, which is true. Like you feel the trauma every time you talk about it. But it's not in that self-sacrificial paying indemnity, right? <laughs> you know, denying yourself everything. Clearly it is it is helping me process in ways I never, like I, I didn't even really, I look back, I'm like, I didn't even really get actually all the fuck it did to me until the book came out and I got involved in the cult survivor community and with other second gens and other both child and talking about it. I'm like, whoa. So it's it's both for, hopefully for others, but definitely I get so much by being able to do it. So yeah, so it's not, so it, but it's it's it's, yes. it's 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 an interesting question because it's just kind of moldy there because it does matter to me like if we if you publish this podcast and one person I've heard of or haven't heard of said hey thank you now I feel better about this this and this or something I feel like I've done something yeah but it's not in the way where I need to you know run myself into the ground and sacrifice my life and you know be a okay. heavenly soldier and all that other bullshit yeah yeah. yeah. Okay. I think this is like a really important thing to acknowledge because if you do have that live for the sake of others mentality and you're an activist, then you're easy to exploit by these 
thousands of directors that are looking for easy bait. Like I had some people when I just came out from Snapchat being like, we want to reunite cult members that haven't seen each other in a long time. And I was like, oh, this is my first like Snapchat producer, like an entertainment type cult thing. And I was like, yeah, sure. And they took so much of my time. Like they did a recorded interview and they did this and that. And they asked all these personal questions Mm -hmm. that never went anywhere. But like I'm reflecting on that and then reflecting on how you guys are acting now. It's like you really need to know your boundaries, why you're doing it, how you should be treated, because there's a lot of people looking for ex-members that are talking. And like it's important to know your boundaries. You guys weren't they took four hours from you. Is that what it took to do the, the recording of how to become a cult leader? It was something like, yeah, again, the day is blurry. The okay. day is really blurry. I can I know where it was and I can vaguely remember it. But it, I mean, it was a large chunk of time, which I was happily giving. Yeah. Um. Um. But and they, there wasn't a lot of prep before that. It was wasn't a lot of going back and forth and interviews. Like we've had multiple interviews with lots of different producers about potential things. So it wasn't so much. Wait, I just want to interject with one thing when you said that about like telling your story and being out there. And being act and being an activist and living for the sake of others. So my my older child, I just share this because I love this. My older child is an activist, a social activist. And when they had a desk in a, in an office, I used to say above their desk, "If you're not living the life you're fighting for, you're not doing the work." And I give that to every activist I know. Like part of the work is actually living the life I want to have happen, right? Because if I don't do that, then they win the they, the big they, right? Like if I don't actually care for myself and love myself as is on my arm first, most and always, then then he's won. Then Moon still has me. So how can I share my story and give and try and make a difference, but always never at the risk of hurting myself and sacrificing myself. So That's powerful. I just, I'll get off my pedestal now. I just did a little podium speech there, I think. <laughs> It's all about but I learned it from activist. my kid. No. <laughs> <laughs> you activist, you, but I learned it from my kid. Yeah. No, we're all. I mean, Put we're it together, all kid. Yeah. No, that's great. That's that's really cool. Um, yeah. I, I. What were we? Sorry. What were we talking about? So, we're so, we're, so we we're we're untangling untangling a lot of nuances from like the theology of live for the sake of others, and then how to be like a healthy activist, and how to like have boundaries oh. with these producers that are asking you for your time because there's right. a lot of people that cross boundaries and you don't really know because you're for me for instance I've had a lot of people emailing me calling me getting recorded interviews and like literally nothing happens so now I stopped responding to these people that are yeah. just wasting yeah. my time <laughs> so yeah so what's your advice for people that um, are new to coming out and don't know really what the etiquette is with activism and and having your voice shared mm-hmm. and boundaries because that's something a lot of us cult survivors lack is like knowing our worth knowing our boundaries knowing how to say no like this is too much time right well i would say just first of all contact one of us or someone you know who's an activist like directly and you know with any questions or anything that would be, you know, that'd be great. Uh, sorry, I, I was actually going to respond to your question about the time they took for uh, how to become a cult leader. Like for me, it was two interviews, actually, it's two days. Um, I think with the Camp Sunrise thing, they're like, we want to go more into that. You want to come back and, you know, have another interview? And I was like, okay, cool. Um, so yeah, one day was about four hours here in New York. And then 
they actually were in Boston because I think they're based on the West Coast. And so they're like, oh, we're actually in Boston this week. Uh, do you want to come to it? They told me last minute I had to tell my boss. I was like, uh, I'm sorry, I have to go tomorrow to this thing. It's emergency. And he knows about the cult stuff. And I'm like, it's like cult stuff. He's like, okay, only because it's cult stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and so, <laughs> so like, yeah, I, I went. Um, but they actually, they paid for all the... Um, what do you call it? Per diem. Uh, they paid for the hotel. It was a nice hotel. It was like on the water's edge. I was like, oh, cool. Um, and, you know, any food and traveling. So, you know, good on them for doing that. A&E did the same thing. They they covered all my costs. Um, I didn't I didn't get paid. Uh, there's some ethical thing that I looked up with any journalism that involves payment, because like what they say is that uh, if they pay the person they're interviewing, then that person is obligated to speak well or like to like work with the um, direction that the interviewer wants to go instead of being more objective and more coming from the self. Now, I don't know if that's just BS excuse not to pay people <laughs> or if it's like really legit. Um, I'm going to, you know, I just assume it's legit and, uh, you know, Anyway, if I have to travel anywhere, usually documentary crews will will pay for it. Um, and then that one Brazilian documentary crew, they came to my place. So I was like, okay, well, it was just taking a little time, but still had to clean up a little bit. <laughs> anyway, cleaning lady fee would have been nice. Yeah. But uh, yeah, um, but otherwise, yeah, I would just say reach out to someone, um, you know, look for, you know, it's really exciting. I just said yes to everything in the beginning um, when I got my first few uh i let's see one the very first thing i did that was big was an advertisement for a video game about cults <laughs> um it's called far cry 5 uh it's it stars a cult in it it's like a first person shooter game <laughs> i know it's really like geez teddy i thought you were like better than this but they um they flew me down to la they paid for my hotel and everything and they actually gave me 500 bucks on top of it um you know i inquired i, I kind of probed into it and the thing is with any kind of advertisement they have a budget like ads make more mo money than like a lot of shows or at least in the animation world i studied animation uh the guy told me one director told me that um an animated series will make less money than one commercial. So like, like, or an animated season. Yeah. The season of an animated show, because there's so much more work and advertising, there's so much money in it. Right. So um, yeah. So if it's, if it's also, if it's an ad though, also it's like the intent is to sell something. So it's probably not going to be as complex. It's probably going to be a little more simplified. And so maybe not, up your alley. But, um, you know, actually this ad, I thought it was overall. Okay. Uh, it was through Uprox, the U P R O X X. Um, yeah, it's still online, I believe, uh, where I just talk about cults and stuff. They talked to me as if I was an expert and I was like, uh Oh, <laughs> they got the wrong guy. And they told me some things to say. And I was like, okay. Um, yeah. And, uh, they, that, anyway, I told them while I was there that I'm not an expert. I just grew up in one and I study like psychology and stuff and therapy. And they, I, they all like suddenly were really quiet. Like what? <laughs> I tried to tell them earlier. You guys found me. You guys asked me. Like, yeah. Y'all should have done your research more. That's so then I, 
actually in turn i studied the hell out of cults and i was like oh wow there's all these parallels and anyway <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but there i think the one strong part in that um in that commercial was that you know I, I say like what a lot of people don't understand about cult members is that they're you know they don't get exploited because they're stupid they get exploited because they're human and like, that's like kind of the climax of the commercial. I'm like, oh, good. I got in my like personal say where like my experience really packs a punch right there. So, you know, I'm not just this talking head, like uh documentary guy or whatever. So anyway, um, but overall, yeah, I was glad that this topic was, was out there again and spoken about in some depth. Yeah. Okay. So you, I would, yeah, go ahead, Lisa. Go ahead, Renee. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, you heard it here. Per diem is the bare minimum you should get. You deserve to be taken care of, at least taken out, like bare, like standards, get a place. They're, they're going to record you. They're going to make money on your face. They're not paying you to say anything because that would taint what the, what the message is, right? Is is that what you just said? Like they, they can't, they don't pay you? Oh, they, yeah. They, well, the advertise, the, the advertising advertisements company, did, but the, yeah, the they had a budget. Shown. Citizens. Citizens Jones. Yeah, they, no, they didn't. But um, but I'll also say a lot of documentarians I talked to and from when I looked up, like documentaries don't really make a lot of money. Okay. Um, they they do help the company, of course. It's like huge exposure for them, you know. But um, I don't know. Do you know anything about this, Lisa? So so I, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go there in a minute. I'm gonna go back to the saying no, because I too well for me it was getting the book out, getting the message out with the app. So I said yes to everything in the beginning. And I think, yes, do reach out to either one of us. And another one who's great uh, at learning to say no is Elgin. I learn from Elgin all the time. He's like, I say, hey, this producer, he's like, do they have a studio? Do they have money? Mm -hmm. Do they have this? And if not, I'm not talking to them. I'm like, that's pretty like straight, right? So it's, so I, on one hand, spent a lot of time with the producer. The first, my first foray out, a lot of time with the producer, helping her build it. And that was really cool because, I actually got to sculpt what it was going to be, but then it didn't go anywhere. She was, you know, more than needs to be said, trying to get Sammy Pop. And that just took so long that it blew everything. Everything fell apart completely. Um, so that's very sad. Cause so for me, it was worthwhile to put in money, put in money, put in time and effort and energy. If I could actually help sculpt what they were doing and I was getting some sort of creative producer title, um, but but I'm learning to be more because, yeah, you get to reach out all the time, being more more careful about how much I'll talk to people before it goes anywhere. That being said, you know, maybe I'm tainted. I did get paid by Citizen Jones because I asked um, and they gave me five hundred dollars. I probably won't ever ask for money again because afterwards I heard. Oh, I'm trying to think of what her name is. Do the Instagram thing about like once they pay you, then you're not a documentary. You're a paid actor, which I think is not true. I think I only spoke my truth. Um, mm -hmm. They didn't tell me what to say, but it made me think about it, and so it's I feel like a little shame, which is why I'm saying it here. But but they did, so they gave me five hundred dollars, um, and and I went like you know twenty minutes from here to get filmed. Uh, the Brazilian one. Um, they they brought me a Brazilian soap and bought me lunch because we walked into town for lunch and so they bought me lunch. Um, and I got I the soap very, too. Yeah, you got this. I'm like so excited <laughs> to use the soap, right? So it's I'm soap like that'll very, last the rest of my life. It's an enormous. I know box. a lot anyway. of soap, a lot of soap, <laughs> a lot of Brazilian soap. 
Um, but yeah, I, I didn't, but I didn't ask for money because I thought, okay, I don't think I'm going to get paid anymore for documentaries, but you know, if something else was done, then maybe, maybe I would, but I don't want, I don't want anyone to be able to say that I wasn't true to my word because they found out that I was paid. It had never dawned on me that way. So, but, um, yeah, yeah. 500 that, bucks is, is not that much. I mean, that, that not sounds a lot like money. per diem <laughs> no. to me. That's like a basic yeah. shift on a, it's, a top tier blue collar job. So Yeah, it's not what, what I make on a daily rate. Let's just say that for me yeah. to take a day off of work, <laughs> I lost money. Let's just say that. Yeah. Before it's anybody like goes duty. and says that you guys are paid actors, like, no, you are not paid actors. Like, that's the bare minimum of what you should be getting you. for your yeah. time and for, for my time story mm-hmm. and yeah. your bravery yeah. and all the shit that you put up with after it gets published. Like, <laughs> Okay, so I think there's a consensus that that's bullshit. <laughs> like, if we pay you, then you're going to be like, oh, oh my God, I'll say anything you want. It's like, no way. I'm going to tell you exactly no what I experienced. I'm tell you exactly. Yeah. That being said, <laughs> you have no control over what actually gets, uh, you know, what actually makes it into the documentary. And even with the Brazilians, I said to them, can I see this before it comes out? And they laughed at me. I'm like, okay, that's what I figured, but I had to ask before it's done, because, you know, when you go into a documentary, you are basically, the, if they're any, if they have any smarts, they will have you sign away rights to how they use what's there. And I mean, that was my challenge. One of my challenges was how to become a cult leader is I felt like I spoke my truth, but the way they pulled it out and used it. I felt slimed. I really did. And so it made me, when I was with a, the Brazilian, they were sitting right there. When I was with a Brazilian company, I'm like totally there and present. But in the back of my mind thinking, you need to not say anything you don't want pulled out and used separately. Like you need to really be aware. It's So I would say if you're going to do this in any way, it doesn't mean you have to bare your soul and tell everything. You need to say what you're comfortable saying. And what you're comfortable being taken in that 30 second, 10 second, five second clip and being put out there because you will lose all rights to, you know, you will lose yeah. all rights to it. Your soundbite. Your um, soundbite is your soundbite and they take it as they want to. Go ahead, Teddy. Yeah. Go sorry. Ahead. So like what I, I was curious, what parts, Lisa, did you feel like they they kind of misrepresented you? So. I I feel like. So I did not know that they were going to use Moon, like, to keep it going forever and really make it about building the hierarchy of the blessed families and the blessed children, right? So I had no idea. Um, and so I talked about a lot of stuff. And so the, and the backdrop of this, and you, and you, we hinted at this before, grew up with Injun. Did, right? Best friends with Injun. Tatiana. Read my book. Yeah. Tatiana, right? Tatiana. Injun Moon, Tatiana Moon. I, I know, I hate that name. I hate all their stupid names. Sorry. <laughs> I knew when they were just whatever they were. Same. And, yeah. um, and um, you know, and so I hold this weird space of do not condone the horrors that they've, you know, that they've enacted and how they've kept it going. Incredible amounts of compassion for how horrific it was to be them. So I hold this weird thing that probably I only hold and I apologize to you to anyone but like that's that's that is my truth holding both and uh so so yeah so what before the book like she's in the book because before the book came out I reached out to someone else who reconnected me with Injun and so part of my healing has been reconnecting with her and a uh, long story short uh when we were when I was 16 and she was 14 this whole soap opera happened with a blessed child and she threw me under the bus and 
spread rumors about me that Moon believed and basically said I could never be around his kids anymore, as I like to say, the, my messiah banished me. And um, so that's like the background of the story. And when I first saw her, she's like, oh, I'm so sorry my father did that. Like we literally got like separated and we're never together again. And uh, so when I got sick, I had cancer last year. When I got sick, she and another uh, 36 couple BC reached out to me and wanted to come see me. And just to like see me, I do believe. And, you know, it never happened for a lot of reasons. And I feel very mixed about it. And I, ha I haven't seen her. She knew the book came out, but I haven't seen her. I saw her before the book came out, but I haven't seen her since the book came out. We've never talked about it. And, uh, and my activism never talked about it. And it just so happened that like it never happened. And then as I got better, they wanted to come and then they we picked a day. So and then it was like, should I let them come to the house? Is it safe to let them like all this crazy? Like, if you want to know where I live and they want to attack me, they can easily find that out. But all this crazy shit happened. And and then I was like going to go meet them in Baltimore. But they told me I wasn't spending enough time. And I just bring it out because that's the hierarchy. They're like, that's not enough time to be with us. You know, the whole sense of they can tell me what to oh. do. It's so like, right? Like literally, yeah. I watched this 36 couple BC who is my age, two years older than Injun, call her Injun Oni. As we all know, that means Oni means older sister. Like all that shit is baked into it. And I still have compassion. And she like, I still love her from that sense and that long time ago sense. so anyway what happened is it ended up that they came the Sunday before the documentary came out and so I knew the documentary was coming out and I was like didn't and didn't bring it up we never talked about the book it was like this really weird we had lunch whatever and it was really good but really weird she brought me ginseng tea for my health <laughs> I haven't drank it whatever so it was, and uh, and then I spent like in, like the whole week from like Saturday, I guess, or Sunday till Friday going, should I tell her? Should I tell? So I like let her know this is coming out. And I finally, and I heard, I went back and forth. And one of my friends said like, why? Like if you, if like you have this tacit, don't, let's not talk about this, then why bring it up? And I was like, fine, I'm not going to throw it in their face that I'm speaking out against her father and whatever. So, right. Sunday I have lunch with them. Friday, the documentary comes out. I sit down and I watch it. And of everything, so what, what felt weird was they focused it on, they focused it on my mom getting matched and blessed and all of that. So they focused it on this little weird aspect of it. And then the one line, they one of the lines they pulled was, his kids, we could get away with anything. They could get away with anything. Now, in context, what I say is it sucked to be them. They could get away with anything. At the same time, they were watched like no one else is and judged and criticized and held to a standard. And so it was like this fucked up fishbowl thing. Mm -hmm. But we did throw rocks at brothers. Like we did do stupid kid stuff and no one would stop them. At the same time, they were also, a lot of, a lot of shit happened to them. And that's the line they pull out. So I'm like, I've just seen Injun. I haven't told her. She's now watched it. I've just said this. <laughs> and then... Mm. And then like a week later was her birthday and I'm like, whatever. I'm like, happy birthday. And she's like, thanks. And that's probably the last time I'll ever hear from her, which is fine because when I saw her, I kept thinking, I can't do this. Like I can't, I can't speak out against it and let it buy me lunch at the same time. Like I don't know how to hold, I can hold a lot of dualities, but I get, but so, so it was like this, it was, it was that really personal aspect. It was just the way they told the story about my mom. And I felt like they just used me and used my story 
to tell this weird story, but they didn't use any of the stuff that I felt was important. I don't know. I need to watch it again. And then I have forgotten I give them a photo. So the next time I'm like, oh my God, there's me shaking Moon's hand. There's me with my mom. Like there's like, I forgot I give them photos because I had. I totally had. So I just, I felt completely, I just felt completely slimed and uncomfortable with had I actually done something to help or had I only just dug this weird hole. And and the other thing, the other one I pulled out was, you know, and thank God Elgin like gave me the numbers for this when I said that, you know, uh, just about every Republican leader has been paid by the moons to speak. And I was like, and they pulled that one out, which is great. But I'm like, you know, I don't know that for a fact. I just know that y'all say that. <laughs> and that's probably what I said, but they pulled it out as if it was fact. So I just thought it was like, Lisa, so if you sit down with a documentary, you need to be you need to be sure that you're comfortable with whatever they pull out. And for me, I was like, I need to speak only my story and not necessarily sound bites about things that I don't know or I didn't experience. So um, there's a really long story, but it just, it was like came at this weird time and it was just a really weird, I mean, it probably needed to happen. It just, it just, it just felt, it just, I know, I just felt sensationalized. I really feel like my story was sensationalized versus actually making it human and, you know, that sort of thing. I don't know if any of that made sense. So Yeah, I mean, geez, for you to be in the position of being that close, to be in the fire <laughs> of, you know, personal relationship involvement with the moons, and then to speak to this documentary must be so like, what do you call it? Not polarizing. Uh, you must feel torn. Yeah, torn. Yeah, I um, I mean, I do. I, again, I, I know how much it sucked to be them, by no means makes it okay for the shit they're doing and what they've done. So it, it's this really weird and I, you know, and when I was with her, you know, I, I, I think I had convinced myself that she was just kind of going along because it's easier to go along. And when I when I first saw her again, I asked her something and she said, it's my family, Lisa. And I'm like, OK. But when I was with her this time, she talked about Moon being the Messiah. And I was like, I can't I can't I can't um, actually I can't keep it going yeah. if that's really what you believe or at least what you're going to profess to me. Like, I can't because because mm -hmm. he's not because he's not and I can't so yeah it was so it's just it was like just very weird and then the, the, it just like I was like my mom had already decided not to watch it but I'm like thank god my mom didn't watch it because because the main part of me that they used was the story of my mom's blessing the fact that I was a Jacob's child and the story of my mom's blessing and how it was different and how it was weird and so that whole thing and it just was like there's so much more to this and what it did yeah. to me than that so that's that was just that's just me we'll see what happens with the Brazilian one I you know I We'll see what they what they pull out. So yeah, yeah. I think knowing that it was going to be a half an hour episode, I was like, mm, not going to get. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't know. It's easier for me because again, I I wasn't I I hadn't seen like the complexity within the Moon family. I mean, I I lived near them. I saw a little bit, and I've heard things from other people who were closer to them even when I was a kid. But mostly, what I heard was, oh. Did you hear that Hyojin beat up this guy now? And it, it was like seven or eight different kids got beat up by the moons by for like saying the wrong thing or whatever. But then I heard, you know, in like, I think it was uh, Tim Porter maybe in, in a podcast or maybe he just told me personally, he's like, oh yeah, Hyojin used to like, you know, he 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 was all like anti-gay, uh, you know, and it's far right cult. So of course it's anti-gay. But like uh, he said, yeah, Hyojin would 
maybe he would mention some things about attraction to men and stuff here and there and just kind of like graze it. And I'm like, ah, oh, interesting. You know, just like, anyway, <laughs> it's yeah. really complex. Yeah. Let me be very clear. I by no means condone any of it. And I by no means think it was okay. Like I, it, but it, but, and, and, and it sucked. It, it sucked for them. Right. And so I, you know, abusers, abusers, People who get abused grow up abusing, unfortunately. Many of them, not all of them, have a choice, can choose differently. But it like it makes sense to me that they're all either out there being wonky or dead or OD'd or like just yeah. Anyway, so it was just it was just this very convoluted mix of and I was like, did I do any good with this one? Did that part of my story help in any way? I don't know. So and then but then and then I got something from someone who said, thank you for telling me I saw you and thank you. And I'm like, okay, then, then it's okay. Then it's okay. So, yeah. Well, if you want to read the longer start here, I'll do a promo. Uh, to the Moon and Back by Lisa Cohn. <laughs> if you want to read Lisa's actual complex story of more about this whole conversation, there you go. For free. Now, now you owe me $500. Okay. That's so funny. Oh my god, I love that. I think also Lisa, like a, another option besides uh, self-medicating and and like offing yourself as a moon child, it's like buying into the sauce and yeah, living the life absolutely. of luxury. It's like why not? The rivers flow in that way. It's easier to just be like, yeah, my dad is, in fact, like the third Adam. <laughs> we we are a special family. I was like, yeah, no. Yeah, exactly. It is. It's easy. I mean, because just like everyone else, we want to like, I want to, you want to all our main, our mind craves certainty, purpose, and community, right? Mm -hmm. Knowing we're special, knowing we have a truth. There's nothing that's my line. There's nothing more intoxicating than having an MSI. It is the best drug I've ever done. I don't recommend it. Wow. Man, it is intoxicating. Yeah, you guys covered a lot. That's that's awesome. I I'm glad that you came here, Lisa, to tell us that you can ask for for payment. <laughs> like, like <laughs> I was under the impression that you couldn't, I, and that might be some of my conditioning from like the moon. Moonies, like you got to live for the sake of other. <laughs> so, but you can. Okay, so you can ask for payment. You can ask for what's the budget. You can get per diem. Um, and mm. and and tell your story in context in like five second segments that might get chopped up so you just got to be aware that that could happen yeah, yeah exactly yeah i think another thing is um sorry like uh like gender politics like me as a man you know this bald-headed dude is like maybe a little hefty they're not going to uh question me or like push back on me i think as much as maybe women and you know in, in the entertainment industry in general like yeah so i think that's something to be conscious of just you know not that you you y'all aren't conscious of it. You have to live it every day. <laughs> but uh, just saying, yeah, there might be some power dynamics in play too. Cool. I'm sure. I, I took a whole hour. I knew I was, it's it's like the day before Thanksgiving and I don't want to steal too much of your time. Is there anything else you guys want to mention before we wrap it up? I did mention that like I watched the episode with non-moonies who had never heard of the moonies before. And I kind of wanted to give that perspective of what they thought um before wrapping it up is that okay oh i would love to hear that okay cool so i watched it by myself and it was kind of like a oh sweet there's like an episode out about the moonies and now there's like a point of reference for me to just send people to when i start stumbling over my words about being born in a cult on the spot 
So that was cool. But at the same time, I was like, they didn't really cover much. They didn't really cover much of anything because we know like a fuller extent of what happened in the cult. But I was tattooing this girl and I, I was like, hey, man, we've talked about cults before and you're, you're pretty cool. Do you want to watch this um, documentary with me just to see what your reaction is? And she's like, yeah, sure. Throw it on while we do this like eagle tattoo on my thigh. <laughs> and so I was tattooing her and like it took the whole episode to tattoo her and she watched the whole thing. And at the end of it, she was like, you know what? I actually I want to know more. Her, her reaction was that was really well presented and he's the most successful cult leader. What are they not telling me? And that was her big takeaway. She was like, I want to know more. That was a very good introduction. And I was like, good. I like that response. That's a cool response. Um, the second time I watched it with another person I was tattooing, who is a very close friend of mine, who I've never really talked about the cult with. When he watched it, he looked at me and was like, holy shit. I had no idea you had been through all of that. And he still talks to me to this day with a new understanding. And he, he said it changed the way he looks at the world. So for people who weren't raised in the cult, they really appreciate the documentary. These two people that I talked to, what about your feedback? What did you, what did you, what have you heard? Um, I mean, no, that's really great to hear actually. Thank, thanks for saying that. Um, Cause I think that's the thing I want to know most, you know, um, okay. that more people are being educated about this stuff. Uh, yeah. I didn't hear too much. It's usually people are just like, yeah, I saw it. Whoa. And then it's like <laughs> sip of a beer and continue the party. Uh, <laughs> I don't they don't know. know what to say. They don't know what to say. Yeah. Yeah. I guess um, I'm trying to think like, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Okay, Nothing no. stands out. I, yeah. yeah. And I got some, as I said, I got some just, oh my God, you're in my living room. And I got some was like, oh, because then it was after, oh, like I had listened to Elton's podcast and I said, would say something to people and they reached out to me and they're like, oh yeah, no, I like thought it was really interesting. I really wanted to learn more. I thought, thought it was fascinating. I really understood it more. So that made me feel again, better, like, like, okay, so it is really, it did do, like, what, why did I do it? I did it because I wanted to educate people that cults are there, that they're so there, right, that we're all susceptible, that, like, it's damaging, all of that, right, and all of the stuff around it, so, yeah, so I felt that, that made me feel, I may not have liked personally what I went through, but that's fine, um, yeah, I, I felt, I did feel like I got feedback that, it opened people's eyes yeah like okay. people who knew me but didn't know the depth of what it was and that sort of thing so yeah yeah and i'll just sorry i want to tack on that um i mean this sounds this this could be taken very wrong but it helps with my dating profile did <laughs> 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 I, I talk that. about this cult stuff i'm not as much to be like hey i'm on tv you guys but like i mean it's Paid it's something to be actor. proud of <laughs> but it, it's like it, it gives me something that's very personal. That's like, okay, if you want to meet me, you have to know this about me. And like, I hope you're interested or you care about it. And it does filter those people to like, you know, talk about it. I mean, I dated someone who was working in like politics and, you know, social causes. And we talked a lot about that kind of topic because that's kind of what said it, you know, and uh, it was just really cool. So it does help. I think the larger thing I'm saying is like, you know, don't be afraid to put your, your personality, your secrets out there uh, to the extent you're comfortable with, but, you know, self-acceptance and like, you know, I mean, 
having documentaries be interested in your personal story helps with your self-acceptance. It really does. So that's another thing I was like, validation is a great thing I get out of all of this. Um, oh, love it. Like, yay, I can say this and put it out in the world instead of it being in this dark corner of my closet that I have to hide from the world when, like when I was a kid and terrified of anyone finding out. So, but yeah, um, it, it helps to just put it out there. It just kind of like, yeah, it's like a signal of like, hey, I've been through this. Can you relate or do you care about this kind of stuff? Do you want to talk about it? Because like, yeah. I'd love to. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I Yes, yes, yes. Not not my dating profile, but yes to the self-acceptance and the like, and just be, being able, you know, when the book came out, right? And I have been, I'm so open about my story now. I lead with it in my work, basically. It's the first sentence of my bio. The first part of the first sentence of my bio is the best seats I ever had at Madison Square Garden around my mother's wedding. The second sentence is the best cocaine I ever had was from my father's friend, a judge, because that's the weirdness of my story um, with the two weird different sides of the 70s parents. But but the more like I have no problem with people seeing me on Netflix, like I think it's great that they know that, that yeah, that's just part of that's just part of who I am and how I am and why I am. And we all have shit and now you can tell me yours, right? And we can all get through this together kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. And when you say part of, I mean, your entire childhood that shaped who you are today <laughs> and what you have to deal with in your formative years. So this, right. I, this, this is the rage coming out for people who is like, why, why can't you just like, you know, see the positive or, or, or get over it or yeah. just like, bro. Like, come on, this is this, this world that I'm in sharing with you now, this is my, this is not my home world that I will ever viscerally, viscerally feel like it is home as much as that nurtured world where like all the answers were already, or the questions were already answered. And all I had to do was follow this one guy and we got resources and we got to survive and have a house and a job and relationships if we just praise this guy, all based on ideology, whereas now I have to live in democracy where it's like, what? I have a choice. I have to <laughs> tell my opinion. Shoot. All right. Therapy time. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> and to like build on that. Right. Again, I didn't even realize it. Right. Until I found the second gen community and what it I mean, that's my main message these days. But what it does to you, your brain when you're supposed to be developing and instead you're contained and controlled intentionally and fucked over. Like it, it, it is deeply carved. I am great. It is deeply carved. All of the live for the say that shit is still right. And I go back to how, how I started. I think like, yeah, when what's her name said, I can't believe this is still in my brain. And I've been out, I don't know. I don't know what it was a couple of years and it's still affecting me. And I'm like, dude, 40 plus years, maybe there's something wrong with me, but 40 plus years. And it's, it's, it is the essence of who I, it's not the essence of who I am, but it's permeated into the essence of who I am. And so how do I extricate it, recognize it and live with it and accept it and love it all at the same time there. Okay. I'm preaching again. I get really. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, it's to different degrees with everyone. Like again, Lisa yeah. and I grew up around the moons, interacting with them to different degrees, even, you know, me and Lisa are have different degrees of shit we had to deal with from childhood. So like, you know, not, it, it, it's a spectrum yeah. even within people grew up. It's not one size fits all. So anyway, I, I yeah. felt like you were trying to wrap up Renee and then I was like, Wait, we just kept more. going. Oh no, <laughs> you guys do whatever you want. I'm loving okay. this. <laughs> I, I relate to the symbol of the astronaut because of what you, you were saying, how it feels like we're kind of foreign in this land of nurture and not all of, 
not everybody's been nurtured. A lot of people grew up in isolation like us too. Um, it's just in order to be known, we have to share. And I feel like you guys are doing a lot of work to a lot of uh, somebody's knocking, but, um, anyways, I feel like you guys are doing a lot of work for a lot of groundwork for a lot of us ex members to feel like we can be known, we can be seen and we can be safe in our sharing. So I want to thank you guys for doing that. Cause I, I, I feel that way. And, thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, it's honestly, it's my pleasure. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm like, oh, I can pursue something. I know that comes very natural to me and that's very personal. I don't have to like learn to be something entirely different in order to survive in this world. You know, like I can speak about things that are personal to me that were secret before and like people will be interested and I can build like, you know, a, a positive result as a result. So that, it's good to know. Yeah. Yes, same. Yes, thank you. Awesome. Do you guys want to say anything before we do? You, do you want to say anything before we close up? We we can. I have somebody like aggressively knocking on my door. You guys can say your things. I'll be right back. Okay. Be safe. Unless I'm not back. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah. I'm not liking this. Take us with you. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Let's talk about Renee. No, I'm just kidding. No, That's Renee is awesome. Literally how it how I was huh? going to end up and I'll say this when she comes back is I just want to go to Texas, right? Texas and get a pet, my next tattoo from her, but <laughs> that's probably not. Oh yeah. So, so. Oh my God. But, I saw um, Rika's ta back tattoo. That's incredible. Renee, like it's a work of art. She's a walking work of art now. Oh my God. That was you, so I don't know if you heard the, what I said is how I wanted to wrap a, up as you're in Texas, right? Yes. You're in Texas. Yeah. Like I want to go to Texas to get my next tattoo from you. That's how I wanted to wrap up. Oh so. hell yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. You know where I am. Yeah. Rika's was amazing. It was a three-day three-day thing her flight got delayed like once twice like so we went from having like maybe five days to having three days so we just we had to we had to tap into that x mooney grit and like get it done like we were in chumpyong it was nuts <laughs> you oh, know man. that comes in handy sometimes in this really weird way yeah it really yeah. does no no shit i think at one point i was like singing ansu songs because <laughs> like oh that's what I was doing I was working on her back and so at one point it was like day two and a half and she's like I don't know if I can make it and I was like hoodie 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 oh, oh no this is the most <laughs> triggering episode of yeah. bless child <laughs> fucking work she dug deep and she's like I fucking do this and I was like me too oh my god oh, wow that's like you can make a documentary about that. That's a tattoo. Like, no, no, it was healing. tattoo panic. It was like yeah. tattoo panic, manic panic. Oh my god, it was insane. Yeah. It's really healing. Like a lot of shit comes up when you're getting a tattoo. It's kind of like you're hitting these mm, acupuncture points too, and like releasing a lot of trauma and pain and tension that's been trapped in your body. And so it's it was a really actually oh. I'm I'm gonna say it was a spiritual experience. Shit, it was. Yeah, I, I got a, a tattoo on my forearm here. I don't know if you guys ever saw it, but look at that. I feel like a bro now, but yes. um, yeah, when I got this, uh, I mean, it, it was, it was almost like a therapy session. Also, because I'm uncomfortable with like not speaking to someone right next to me. So I just talked about, yeah, I talked about everything with this one person who was like um, a queer artist uh, in her 50s. She lived in San Francisco for a while. Um and she, but she grew up in, in Texas in more conservative Texas, you know, and like, 
she talked about that and how hard it was. I was like, damn, you know, like anyway, it was, it was pretty crazy. And I told her I was moody. She's like, moody, really? Oh, <laughs> like, oh, you know, shit. so it's like, like there was reaction. no silent moments. <laughs> yeah, we had so much <laughs> to talk about. Wow. But um, yeah, uh, usually, usually like towards the end of an episode, right? You do the plugs, right? Yeah, plug yourself. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Let's go ahead. Um, I so it's funny, like I I haven't been on TikTok regularly, like doing my like talks of like about ethics and the Moonies and the intersection of that in so long because I got I have this one bedroom apartment that I've been customizing so much and I've had so much frustration customizing it. Like I'm painting a couch, for example, and the paint's rubbing off. And just this before this call, I had to call the paint company and be like, what do I do? And they're going to send me the solution. And anyway, there's so much frustrate frustration, but I'm an artist and it's got to be perfect. And I have all these crazy ideas for each room. So that's what's been stalling me from my activism. But as we get closer to the 2024 election, I'm definitely going to be on it. And I'm all, I'm almost done with anything, everything here, fingers crossed. Um, but yeah, otherwise I'm, so I'm on TikTok uh, at 2D hosts. Uh, someone took Teddy Hose. I don't know who did. There's no other Teddy Hose in the world that I know of, but if there is, I'd like to meet them. Anyway, uh, the number two D as in David Hose uh, or Teddy Hose on Instagram or X, what was Twitter? Uh, or Blue Sky, find me. I think I'm two D Hose on Blue Sky also. Uh, yeah, or I actually have a Facebook public page too. That's usually where I respond to messages. I, I don't get messages to my personal uh account unless like we have mutual friends or something or you're my friend but um yeah that's my plug so i'll, I'll be on that again soon if not some documentary in brazil so. <laughs> awesome so my plug my social media i don't do tiktok i don't even know what some of what you said is on this instagram and x i like that a little bit of facebook and linkedin because that's fascinating to put it in front of my clients but anyway my so it's all lisa cone writes uh, at Lisa Cohn writes, and that's like Cohn is K O H N, and writes like the verb. So Lisa Cohn writes, but I, I always say to people, if you Google me, L I S A K O H N, I will show up on the first page. Still, I think so. Yeah, if I can't tell me you're looking for me and not able to find me, um, and that's my website as well. And, and I always say to to any blessed child, any second gen, if you want to read the book, let me know. Reach out to me, ping me, and I will send you. I have a Kindle version that might work and definitely PDF that I can send you to, to have for free. So just cause I'd rather you read it than not. So, yep. I would love that. I would love, could you send me your book? I, yes, I can. And I will absolutely. Okay. Awesome. It would be my Thank absolute pleasure. Absolutely. So absolutely. Awesome. I'll reach out. And, cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for taking some time out of your pre-Thanksgiving like day. I hope you guys have such a fulfilling and awesome day. I'll um, I'll send you guys the audio file and you can listen to it pre-publishing, but I'm looking forward to publishing this one pretty soon because it's a fun one. and I really love talking to you guys. Thank you. I love talking to you too. It's but, really nice. I don't think we've ever talked as I started with, and I'm just really glad I spent time with you. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, me too. Hey, maybe um when this uh, Brazilian docu-series comes out, I'll uh, hit you guys back up. <laughs> I, I think yeah. I think they're going to do something good with it. From the way they reacted when I was talking to them, when they listening to my story, just watching their faces and stuff, that you're like, and then they spent, and then, and then I will shut up. They left here, and then they went to Sanctuary Church for two or three days. They went for the festival. Yeah, the so Freedom Festival. I, the Freedom Festival. So I'm fascinated to see 
if they got to Sean Moon and exactly what happened there. But that was, and I was like, let me know when you're out. Nice. <laughs> I said goodbye yeah. to them. <laughs> let yeah. me know. Yeah. yeah one so. of, one of the crew members actually lives a few neighborhoods over from me. So like, I'm sure they're going to ping me. I haven't met her directly because she had COVID actually, but when uh, she was supposed oh, to come, um, yeah. but uh, yeah, what, what was I going to say? Oh yeah. Uh, you know, I think what I like is that it's in Brazil, probably because of Bolsonaro, you know, they're like, yeah, this far right shit is rising here too. It has been rising. And like, so I'm glad they're they're coming to this source that's also a big presence actually in South America. So, you know, yeah. I'm sure Renee, like your generation, had a lot of flights to South America. And, that, and anyway, that's a whole nother podcast episode. Paraguay. But Uruguay? Yeah. Uruguay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll talk talk so thank about you. that later. <laughs> yeah. If anybody yeah. listening wants to talk about their trips to South America, you know oh, where please. to find me. <laughs> yeah. All right, y'all. You guys take it easy and take care of your mental health. And of course, we'll talk again soon.